0: Today, I sit down with Cassidy Munson of Munson Collins. Professionally, Cassidy has spent nearly 20 years in various roles from project management to general contractor. He's learned the ins and outs of construction management and is always in awe of architects and their creativity and is something that he wished that he had. Putting his experience to work, he's been busy estimating projects and helping organize that critical first part of the construction process, as well as forging new relationships with the top architects, interior designers, and agents in the Bay Area. Now for my conversation with Cassidy Munson. Hey, Cassidy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Maybe just give us some context. Who are you? What's the company? And where are you guys located?
1: So my name is Cassidy Munson, and I'm the partner, co-founder of Munson Collins Builders with my, my business partner, Tom Collins. And our office is located in Saratoga, California which is in the Silicon Valley.
0: Right on. Cool. So you have a business partner did you guys start the company together or did one of you start it and the other one came in later how did how did it all begin?
1: We started as business associates so kind of our backgrounds is Tom has been a builder a licensed general contractor since 1990 and worked most of his career in the Truckee Tahoe area doing kind of Even small development in large-scale estate homes. And then my background was in the South Bay area. My dad was a general contractor for 35 years. And I went to work for him after college and kind of worked my way up. Started driving the dump truck around and cleaning job sites and pretty quickly started managing projects for him. And then took over all of the production, kind of ran the production for years. And then he trained me in sales and estimating and eventually it took over the company. And then me and Tom actually combined forces, I guess, officially December 5th of 2019. Uh, okay. so that was our, our official like date when we were both working full-time together on this new venture.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So... So what prompted the the merging or the combination of what you guys were doing why did you decide to to team up? I had really
1: enjoyed the dynamic when I was working with my dad that there was one principal that was in charge of the pre-construction and finding new work and cultivating that that whole part of the job and then another principal that was in charge of the production. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was a good way It seems like oftentimes you see builders who are trying to do both. They struggle with one or the other. A lot of them struggle with the sales part of it because they're so busy building homes. They don't answer their phones. They don't respond to emails. They kind of let that lapse and then they find themselves out of work. So when it came time for me and Tom to partner up, I think that was the biggest motivation. I mean, first and foremost is because he's one of the most trustworthy people I've ever met in my life. And like if I ever had an emergency, he's probably the first person I would call. And so it seemed like he's one of the few people I've met that I totally trust and want to be in business with. And that's, I think, what's most important when you're talking about a business partnership. And then secondly is that our skill sets complement each other. So he He's a master builder. I mean, the quality of, of what he can build and produce is like what I'm really proud of and wanted to be in partnership with. And so that's kind of how we've divided our, our responsibilities and accountability of the company is I, I, I'm in charge of all the pre-construction, working with the architects, designers, and clients. And then Tom is in charge of our production staff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Totally agree with you. And I think that's actually a a pretty undervalued point. But having somebody that's running the kind of the sales and marketing or like the growth and then somebody else that's running the operations it took me way too long to figure that out in my business and so it's cool that you kind of like identified that when you were working with you with your dad it's a game changer
1: <laughs> yeah months and we benefited a lot from my experience with with ra in the past and consulting so we're in eos and like Usually in EOS, you start as an entrepri- like enterprise, and then after so many years of growth, you read the book and start adapting. But because I was already kind of using that when we started our company, like, so for example, in January of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, me and Tom were in Arizona with our, our implementer implementing us into Vision Day of EOS. So I think it's allowed us to scale pretty quickly beyond the like original founding stages of the enterprise and grow the business at a probably a more rapid pace than we would have otherwise. Yeah. But I mean, part of EOS is all about that, right? That no two people are accountable for the same thing that we're dividing the workload and each person is being accountable for one part of the business.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm curious what that first like full year looked like after you guys teamed up. Everything you said to December, so it was probably January of, or, you know, 2020 was the first full year. What do you think went well and then maybe what, you know, were some of the hurdles in year 1?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So we we kind of had started like I had gone out and found a couple master bathroom remodels for former clients. Mm-hmm. People I had built their kitchens for and they were needed master bathrooms. So we were doing that. And then we, we sold a project for a client that ended up being really important in our history. And it allowed us to both be full-time, fully funded in the company together. And so that was in December of 2019. We were under the construction on that project. And it was basically just me and Tom and my sister working part-time doing books. And then like, we did EOS in January. Actually, it might even be February. And, and then, you know, in March of 2020, like the pandemic hit. And so all of a sudden, all the three jobs we had under construction all got shut down. And I had, a, I think I had a staff of about three people at the time. And of course, they all got sent home. We were having to scramble and figure out, you know, how are we going to pay the staff? We didn't have a lot of cash reserves at the time. We just kind of started.
0: Yeah. Brand new company makes Um, sense. Yeah.
1: So it was kind of like me and Tom were looking at our personal checkbooks and saying, okay, like we're not going to pay ourselves, but we're going to make payroll for everybody else. How long can we do it for? I think, you know, honestly, it it was probably a matter of months at that point before the PPP funds came through. Hmm. But luckily we were lean. You know, we didn't have any office. We had very little overhead. So we were able to kind of patch it together. We had one job that the county deemed necessary. Mm. And so we were able to continue that because it was, there were elderly people living in the unit above and I, I had to get heating to them. So we had a little bit of income through the the shutdown. Here in California, we were completely shut down. I mean, we weren't allowed to leave, A I think it was five miles from our home. Yeah. that so was That's a big challenge. hurdle
0: to face as a new business. <laughs> yeah,
1: but you know, it was a unique time. One of the things that I think the silver lining of it it was it forced us to adapt in our process and our sales onto Zoom, like onto a, that like a platform. So all of a sudden I had to learn how to meet clients online and, you know, and estimate jobs and sell projects without ever meeting the client. It actually helped our production too because now we were always were having in-person meetings, you know, with the staff and with the customers, and we had to learn how to adapt all that to an online platform. But I think we adapted pretty well. I mean, yeah. all things considered, and it gave us some benefit. One of the, I think, the hidden benefits was it allowed us to have maybe an outsized presentation of, of scale to our mm-hmm. clients. Sure. Yeah. Because now instead of just being this little like startup that I was working out of my home office, everybody was, yeah. including the big competitors down the street who were doing ten million a year and had big offices and huge staffs. And so it kind of like leveled the playing field a little bit, and I think it actually allowed us to compete in in finding and and winning larger projects.
0: I would agree. And it's kind of interesting if you just think about the internet in general, I feel like has leveled the playing field across the board, you know, and it just continues to do so more and more and more. And so if you're scrappy and creative, like you can, you can compete with the big guys. It might look a little different, but you can do it. So, well, how did the rest of that year finish out, you know, after, you know, you guys kept moving along and navigating through that, that initial, you know, shutdown?
1: I mean, it seems like probably in line with the rest of the industry. Like 2020 was like quarter one and two. So I remember I was doing my yearly budget and we had projected to do two million in 2020. And then in June of 2020, I went to my RA like online roundtable. I'd redone our budget for a million revenue because like we had been shut down for a whole quarter. Yeah. And then it was like all of a sudden the minute june came and like it was a boomerang. <laughs> Everybody wanted work done. We got flooded with leads and we were able to get back to work with safe practices. We were lucky enough and we had one scare. I had one carpenter whose wife was a nurse and so she got a positive result for covid. And he got a positive result for covid. And I had to have a, like a private nurse come out and test the whole company.
0: Mm.
1: It was like, we didn't know what the chain of command custody was. and Luckily nobody else had come down with it. So we were able to continue operation and we ended up doing in 2020, we did three and a half million, I think.
0: Wow. Yeah. Totally night and day to tailor of two halves sort of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really wild. That's cool. Yeah. What do you think were, I guess, some just general like business lessons that you learned that year? Obviously, it was just like an abnormal year, macro scale, but just from like a a business standpoint.
1: I think lean and mean. So I'm really, really happy that we had low overhead. And it's actually a lesson I had learned from the 08 downturn. You know, in 08, like the great recession. I saw so many friends and and competitors of ours go bankrupt and go out of business and I was really thankful at that time that we were lean and mean and so I think that was, that lesson was that helped us again I'm glad about that like keep your debt low as much as possible I think the other thing I remember Jessica who's our EOS coach she called us and she said all right are you guys doing your daily like calls with each other you know, as a team check-ins and we, we were And that was a really big lesson, you know, when times are kind of crazy like that and abnormal, it's just like to focus on the communication. Yeah. Um, Increase so we,
0: the communication. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We implemented
0: just a 15
1: minute company wide check-in mm-hmm. during that time where we would all just, cause you know, we were spread out. I was here, Tom was there, we had people there. And so that was really helpful for us to have that 15 minute zoom. Just every day. Okay. Like it was just a stand up, you know, what are we doing? What's, what are we working on? What are the obstacles? Those are really good lessons learned. And, you know, to be adaptive to the client's needs as a salesman, I'd always said, well, I need to be in the room. Like that's where the magic happens. I need to be able to read body language and adjust to the client's emotions and responses and didn't have the option. So. It turns out you can do it on Zoom too. I mean, yeah. we had a, at the time, actually during this period, we we sold a, a largest project we'd ever done to a, a person that worked at Zoom. Mm. She, she was actually really helpful. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> almost in coaching me, like how do you start a Zoom meeting and what are the <laughs> functions of it and all those things. That's funny. And I was really proud. We actually were right now building a custom home. In Palo Alto. It's a large multi million dollar project. I had been working on this project for over a year going back to 2021, January 2021. And we had realized when we signed contracts with the clients that we had actually never met in person. Hmm. I had met them, I'd been in meetings with them uh, like at least every two weeks for a year, but we had actually never met face to face. And so after signing contracts, we went out and had a coffee. Yeah. But you know, oh, that, that's yeah. the kind of thing that
0: I would have never have comprehended before the pandemic, for sure. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about two million to ten million book bonuses that go along with that. If you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to RemodelerMarketingBlueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. I'll oh, back up a half step. Like I'm obsessed with this concept of like taking something that is normal in one industry and then applying it to another industry. And it's like totally unique and different, but then you do it and you realize, oh, this actually could improve this industry and now it's unique. And so like we had been selling online for years and doing zoom and go to meeting and all this stuff. We're a different, you know, we're a marketing agency, so it's different. But then all of a sudden, you know, in in 2020, all of our clients, everybody in the construction space is like, Whoa, Zoom, like we got to get on Zoom. Everyone's figuring it out. And we're like, this is, you know, this is kind of standard procedure. And you know, we have lots of clients that we've never met in person. And, and so, but I think it's an interesting like business concept to just think about. Like, if you take somebody that has experience in a different industry, a lot of times you can pull it over. And and I think you were saying, like, yeah, there's some advantages, right? It made you look a little bit bigger than maybe you were. Obviously, there's some disadvantages. There's there's a lot of power in being in the same room. But so it was. I think a positive in a lot of ways. Obviously, COVID brought a ton of negative along with it, but in terms of like advancement of industries, I feel like it, it moved us forward five to 10 years, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. What's interesting about my industry, too, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe everybody feels this way, but I uniquely think that construction is slow to adapt to new innovations. I agree. It tends to be one of those industries, you know, and it's interesting there's a little bit of a lower threshold into construction. So like, if I want to go work at Google or Apple, I most likely need to have some sort of advanced degree. Whereas the trades, it's this one avenue where you can still leave out of high school. You can go work and apprentice and learn a trade and then build a business. Yeah. And so I think it's really beautiful. I love that about my industry. And like, I think it makes us have more diversity in our workforce. I have people that work for me that have college degrees. I have people that work for me that have advanced degrees. I also have people that work for me that are some of my best employees that I don't think graduated high school, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. They have like real life experience and their masters in their trade. But I think because the downside to that is we tend to be a little harder to adapt, like in our, especially use of technology. And so I kind of see, That's one of the advantages that I try to utilize is, you know, I'm 41. I know that there's a a young contractor that's 25 starting a business today, and he's going to have the the most comfort and adaptability to new technologies. So, like, we need to be continuously improving on this. If there's new things coming, if it's, you know... VR, if it's something like that's going to be the the next frontier in how we build homes, how we design homes, how I sell homes, then like, I always want to be in search of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I like that. I mean, and I would totally agree with you. It's definitely, it feels like an industry that's slow to adapt, definitely on the, the tech side, but I think some of it too is like products, you know. Who wants to put a product into something that's going to be there for thirty years? That's untested. So it's like you're a little hesitant to, to be the first one to try something new, and you know. So I think there's some really logical reasons for that. That's I'm a great sure.
1: point. I I often tell clients is the one of the reasons it's basically insane to be a home builder is that all the under industries they get to make prototypes. Yeah, <laughs> but like we get to only we only get to build the house one time. <laughs> and so that's a good point. I mean, you know, there's a reason why the engineer has to be conservative. You yep. have to make sure that we know what we're doing and it's going to stand the test of time for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you're in the, the San Fran area, I would imagine, pretty competitive in that. You market. don't ever want to tell somebody
1: from the San Francisco Bay Area San Fran.
0: Oh, what's that? You don't want to use San Fran. Oh, okay. Well, so San Francisco or Bay Area is maybe the better term. I don't know. If you're a local
1: here in the Bay Area, the San Francisco, the city would be called, you just call it the city.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, the city then. I would imagine it's competitive. (laughs) Clearly, I'm not from there. I'm curious, how do you guys position yourselves or differentiate yourselves? Just larger cities have a lot of competition. So I'm curious how you've navigated that being a, a newer company.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think fundamentally I would say I I try to adapt two things. One is a sense of abundance that one of the benefits of being in the Bay Area is there is an abundance of work. One of the things I gained from RA is sometimes I'm in, you know, roundtable with companies that are from small towns Mm -hmm. where there is not an abundance of work. There might be 20,000 people in the entire town and there, but, and there's two builders. So in that case, they have real competition. There's millions of people in my geographic area. There's probably hundreds of millions of dollars in residential work every year. And so that allows me, I don't really have to treat other builders necessarily as my competition. I mean, really, our competition is new home sales. Mm, Sure. And it's people moving to Austin or moving to Boulder. That's like really my competition, you know, and how do I make this process easy enough and fun for my clients so that they want to like undertake this major renovation or new home build?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I would imagine it, it comes with its own challenges, but yeah, I'd rather have an abundance kind of situation than you know, like it's oh, I mean, only $20 million worth of work, and you know, there's a few builder like you gotta be stealing market share left and right. Yeah. You know, so yeah.
1: And, and I think to answer your question a little bit more too, is so what do I think separates us from other builders, or at least what I try to focus on is the client experience. So when we went through our vision day with EOS, like our unique qualifier is that we build beautiful homes for lifelong friends. And so to achieve that, that means that it's not just about the physical buildings that we're building, but that we also believe that the client experiences that use as is as as important as the quality of the homes we're
0: building. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'll throw a different question at you. I know it's only been a few years. And so maybe if you don't have one, you can go back into previous experience, but any just wacky projects or crazy client stories or, you know, I feel like construction always has, you know, it's littered with just, man, I can't believe that happened. Anything like that coming to mind that you can share? Obviously leaving out personal details and stuff like that.
1: Oh, like untold, like there's too many to tell, but a couple that immediately come to my mind. Actually, first job that me and Tom started with each other on, the client had just purchased the home and he's a real amazing man. He's was in like a very successful like Valley startup that I won't tell you the name, but you would everybody knows it. And it was acquired by an even larger online platform, and he's now kind of an angel investor and serial entrepreneur. Had never done any construction work before, and was kind of confused about why it took so long to get plans and permits done. <laughs> So, I met him on a Friday without any plans, permits, or architects hired and said, well, like, here's the process. Like, you need to hire this architect. They're going to make plans. We're going to, like, it's going to take you a couple months to go through four plans and then we'll submit it to the city and that will take another six months and then we'll break ground, you know, and maybe eight months to a year from now. And he said, okay, but what if I just throw money at it? Can I you know, make it go faster? <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't work. We left that meeting with a handshake agreement and a rough scope of work. And basically started the project. It was supposed to be like a, a master bathroom edition, around 300000 And ended up, he would have these, he called them inspiration sessions. So every week we would meet us and he would look at what we had done and then decide like, what new uh, creative things inspired him to add to the project, and ended up the whole project? I think ended up about 1.5 million.
0: Jeez, oh, <laughs> just a little different from where we started. Yeah. So, I mean, it was really wild. And you know,
1: part of me was like scared. I mean, to make you're making agreements is not really part of my 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 normal mode of production. But, you know, I trusted him and thank God we did it because it really helped us. It was, they got us through the pandemic and he's a friend, you know, and, we're, and in fact, he's purchased another property. We're going to build another house for him now. So, I mean, it was one of those things where you just sometimes have to trust your gut. Yeah. And just, and make a leap and go for it. The other crazy one we did was, that, well, years ago, I remodeled a church for the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. And uh, we didn't get a final inspection.
0: Hmm.
1: And the, the Pope came from Ethiopia and blessed the church, which meant that nobody was allowed behind the altar. <laughs> and the city of San Jose refused to sign our final unless they could go look at this one pie plug. This was like back in 2008. And luckily, I had to go find a, a drone pilot and have a drone camera fly back there with the inspector and in the, in the pews with me so we could get the final on it. Unreal. That was pretty wild.
0: Yeah, that's that's you don't run into that every every project. It was almost an international crisis too because yeah.
1: <laughs> the city wasn't going to give us final and the pope in Ethiopia was really upset and I think there might have been congressmen called
0: <laughs> but Luckily, we found a way <laughs> we, we found a solution around it so we were able to get through that one too that's funny that's a good one i like it well thanks for thanks for sharing those yeah i'm curious what does uh, what does the next few years look like for you guys
1: you know sustained and measured growth we've been in this real fast growth period where we've actually kind of doubled our revenue every year and obviously can't continue to do that so really at this point you know, we have a really amazing team and staff. It's the best staff I've ever had. With like a really amazing leadership team that's helping me run the company. We have actually remodeled and opened a new office space. Oh, in cool! Downtown Saratoga. So it's kind of this transition of we use using technology to look larger than we are, but now we're to a point where we actually get to have this really beautiful space to meet people and for my employees to work out of. So that's been really exciting. That We've just, we just opened that three months ago.
0: Right on. Congrats. Yeah, that's cool.
1: I think the future is, you know, continuously striving to perfect our production process and, and to continue to deliver that really high, high end and enjoyable experience for our clients.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's probably been a whirlwind over the first few years and maybe it'll it'll settle in over the next few but who knows right you know one, one brick at a time any final words of wisdom or a piece of advice that you'd want to leave people with audience people listening are folks like yourself design build companies, remodelers custom builders
1: I mean I'm sure like this is probably something that everybody listening will understand but I love building homes and working with clients it's it's not a job it's a like, it's passion. I couldn't do anything else. If I was smart, I probably would have, but like this is what I was meant to do. So yeah, find your passion and 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 live it and love it and enjoy it and surround yourself with people that feel like feel the same way.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's great advice. Well Cassidy, thanks so much for carving out the time today and sharing your story with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.